Welcome back. This episode is all about what does a chief of staff actually do? So we've heard the high-level explanations. We've heard the helpful analogies in previous episodes. So, yep, to get someone introduced to the role, you can talk about an air traffic controller. You can talk about a Swiss Army knife. You can talk about the plastic things on top of a six-pack can of soda that holds everything together. But day-to-day, Emily, what did you actually do as a chief of staff? And I get that question a lot. So I wanted to go through five examples of things that I worked on as chief of staff. Quick disclaimer note, these are not the only five that a chief of staff can work on, nor are they the best five, nor are they the only five that I worked on. They're just five examples, so take this as it's intended. So the first example here is I helped with recruiting key hires. And in our case, this was a couple of C-suite positions that we had open and a couple of VP positions that we had open as well. And so the two main C-suite positions were CTO, which became COO, but CTO and CFO. So our chief technology officer and our chief financial officer. And for these types of executive searches, I could be doing anything from putting together the job description, vetting that with the rest of the executive team and or board, and then coming up with the interview loop or coordinating the interview loop and how that would run internally. So for the CFO, who would take first pass at that, the first round of the interview, so the phone interview, and then if they passed muster there, who would they go to for the second, third, and sometimes fourth rounds? And that would save people's time and everyone would be aligned on, okay, if I'm getting this candidate through this interview loop at this stage, I know they've gone through X, Y, and Z before they've gone to me. And I know the next step after is, oh, they speak to the CEO afterward. And then if they pass muster there, they speak with a board member for for a CFO. And same thing with, with CTO, I would develop that interview loop and coordinate all of that with the key stakeholders. And for the executive hires, I was really running two parallel paths. So I was coordinating everything with the candidates themselves and making sure they were being informed about what was next in the process or if we had made a decision at any point in the process. And then I was also coordinating and streamlining things with our internal stakeholders. So all the people who were on that interview loop And that could be multiple executives and board members. So making sure sometimes our board wanted updates on, you know, Emily, how many candidates are we seeing apply for this role? How many came through to the first round? What were the general notes and feedback from from that round of candidates? Who do we have coming through the pipeline? So they wanted to be kept very up to date on all of these types of things and and, um, status updates. So that was something that I was heavily involved with. And obviously I wasn't making the ultimate decision there, but I did, I was in the interview rounds for these positions as well. So I was offering my notes and feedback and here's where I think these candidates are, are strong and really shine and do well in. And here are some gaps that might present themselves if we brought them on board. And I would collect those types of notes from all of the other people in the interview loop as well. So kind of collecting those, consolidating those, and rolling up a summary to the rest of the team and board. All right. So recruiting key hires was the first one. The second example was flash reports. So flash reports were these weekly updates we would send to the board. So a flash report would be comprised of two main two main things. The first was KPIs. 
So we had key metrics from every department in the business. And we as a leadership team came up with those and said, okay, what would quickly and most accurately demonstrate that we are moving in the right direction on these different departments? And so we collected those. It wasn't a a full list of metrics, but it was just the key ones that we said in a snapshot, in a flash report to the board, what would best indicate to them if we're moving in the right direction. And so they would have literally a dashboard, like a snapshot they could just scan through of those KPIs. Then the second part of the flash report, which was pretty cool, is every executive team member would write out in a couple sentences what had gone on in their department that last week. And so not only would the board get the KPIs and and almost real-time information or weekly updated information in their flash report, they would also be able to hear what was going on in the business in the executive's own words. And so the executives were closer to the information and closer to the activities for their specific departments. And so the board really felt they had a pulse on things. They liked the level of visibility it gave them. And these were these were also great for prepping the board for their calls with our CEO and CFO. So the board would have regular calls with the CEO and CFO. And the flash reports allowed them to ask more Um, I don't want to say more intelligent questions, uh, more informed questions. So they were closer to the data. They they were more up to speed. And so they were able to ask more informed questions and actually have a more meaningful conversation versus going over all of this high-level stuff with, with the CEO and CFO. The way we the way we rolled out flash reports is so I worked with the CEO to say, hey, do we want to do flash reports again? Because he and I had done flash reports at a previous company that we were at, and, and we both agreed yes. And so we rolled out this, this program to our executives and got them up to speed on what this was. And then I worked with each one of them to say, hey, how are we going to pull this information? Um, because I want it to be easy, right? I don't want flash reports to be this big onerous task every week. We want to make sure it's streamlined. So once we as a group came up with those key metrics, then I would work with all of the executives on, okay, does this one come from Salesforce? Does this one come from the spreadsheet? Do I need to ask so-and-so every week for to pull this from the database? All of those types of things. So we basically sucked in all of the data into a flash report, which started as a spreadsheet that was sent to the board every week. And eventually we got that to be automated from salesforce.com. And so they would just get an automated report every week. Oh, the other thing I should mention there is for the flash reports, we as an executive team went over them in our leadership meetings before they went to the board. And so we would we would draft these from our sections and then we would prep, uh, excuse me, we would go through all, through all of it as a leadership team. And that gave us a chance to ask each other questions. So if if I was like, oh, like I didn't know, wait, what, what does that mean? What what initiative were you working on? Oh, okay. And how does that connect with what I'm doing? Or are there downstream impacts for this other team? Or it could be, okay, if you're presenting data like that in your section, I'm actually talking about sales data as well, but I'm showing it in a slightly different way in my section. So let's make sure we're either coordinated on the stats we're showing or we have a valid explanation for why some of these things are different. And sometimes it was just, well, we're, we're pulling a different time period, or we filtered it slightly differently in each section. 
But of course, the board's going to ask those questions. So going through the flash report beforehand gave us a chance to go over all of that before it went to them. All right, third example, gap-filling leadership. So one of the things I hear people are able to say about chiefs of staff is that they can go fill gaps in the business, which is absolutely correct. And sometimes people say that in a, in a way I think that is fitting for a chief of staff. And sometimes people say that as in, oh, they can go you know, grab lunch or they can go refill our sticky notes if we need that gap filled. And I'm like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to set that aside for a second because what I'm talking about is larger initiatives. So one of the things that I gap filled was assuming operational leadership for a subsidiary. And for this was a this was a multi-million dollar subsidiary. So it represented for us at the time a hefty set of revenue. And so for various reasons, it just needed new leadership. And so I was able to smoke jump into this one area of the business and say, okay, I know how to stand up teams, I know how to recruit and hire, I know how to build internal processes, I know how to turn around morale, and so I was on point and had P&L responsibility for this subsidiary for about 18 months. And at the same time, we were we were looking, <laughs> we were doing a very robust search for who was going to be the leader for this group ongoing. And so as soon as that person came on board, I was also in good position to help them get ramped up and say, here's all the things that we have been doing. Here's your touch points, X, Y, and Z. Here's a debrief on the management team and let that person ramp up and make it all their own. So I just wanted to share that example as an example of gap filling where it's something quite big. So it was something that was a strategic initiative to be sure. All right, the fourth example here is the marketing revamp. So I was I was I guess I was gap filling here in a little in a little ways too. I overhauled our corporate marketing. So this included our messaging, our branding, our internal processes, and again, this was on an interim period and I was also I was also on point for recruiting and hiring for the head of marketing, which ended up being kind of a sales sales ops and marketing role. But uh, while I was doing this on an interim basis internally, I was also externally looking for candidates to fill that role. So one of the things that I worked on here was our product rollout process. So that might sound like a simple process, like you build the product and then you roll it out. But no, that's actually hitting a whole bunch of different teams. So we, I would obviously work with the product department engineering and say, hey, you know, when is this build going to be live? And then kind of get a, get a glide path for us. So, okay, the marketing would need to look like this to get a campaign going ahead of time. Sales and sales operations would need to be informed about this and understand what the product was how to talk to it, all the different, all the different uh, things, things to consider there. And then it was finance because we need to do pricing. It was sales operations to load the products into the contract templates in salesforce.com. And then it was the operations teams because if people like the marketing campaign and talk to the salesperson and sign the contract, all right, well, operations needed to know how you deliver this new product. So that was a whole that was a whole involved process that touched almost every single internal team we had. And just to shed light on kind of why one of the reasons I was put over that is because 
that process did not go smoothly for us for the last, uh, for, for several product rollouts. And a lot of our team members would find out that we had a new product because our website would change. So our website would be updated. And for whatever reason, they'd be looking at it and say, oh, like, do we have that now? Okay, like, wh- well, what is that? Or sales, or excuse me, customer service reps would be on the phone and a customer would be asking questions about a product that they had never heard of. And so uh, something like the corporate marketing and maybe the product rollout process uh, was something that I, I took on and it touched almost every single team we had. Okay, the fifth and final example of something I worked on and actually did as chief of staff is keeping the CEO sane. So I don't know what to call this, maybe CEO sanity sustained, but uh, one could argue that's a full-time job right there all by itself. But when the CEO is sane and in a good headspace, and that's a win for everybody. So that helps everyone's day be a little bit better. And um, that's something you certainly need to look out for as chief of staff is saying, okay, where is my CEO's headspace? Where are they coming from? Are they coming off a long week of travel? Are they a little bit stressed because they're going into uh, a board meeting or some some other interaction that that causes them to have pressure? So always keeping a pulse and knowing where they are and then knowing where you can come in and support or guide or or push and create a sense of urgency or let them vent, just give them space to brainstorm. All of those things should be top of mind for a chief of staff. And for this example, I'll share one story. So (laughs) there was a day, it was just, my CEO was having a bad day and everyone's allowed to have a bad day, but he actually was having a bad week. So let's see, there was was, uh, pressure from the board because the sales numbers weren't where they were supposed to be. We had our our CFO was out on plan PTO, but but they were out, and so our CEO was trying to step in, and all these things just were cascading and kind of stacking on top of each other. And the the straw that broke the camel's back was was he was trying to log into his computer, and every every so often we would have to reset our passwords or create a new one. And for some reason he like couldn't remember his old one, or he couldn't type in the new one the same way twice and confirm it or whatever. And he just got to a point where where it was the straw that broke the camel's back, and he let out a long, loud expletive that could be heard like rooms away, it reverberated. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, so what we had on tap, had on the schedule, was our one-on-one. That was the meeting that was like five minutes away. And instead I said, okay, we are foregoing that one-on-one, and instead we're just going to take a walk outside. Let's just go walk outside. Let's move around. Let's be in nature. Let's breathe in fresh air. And let's get away from the office and go walk outside. And so I took the CEO outside and said, okay, this is, this is what's necessary to kind of get him, get him back calmed down in a good headspace. And we walked around for probably a good like 30, 40 minutes. And we were just walking. We were just moving. We were kind of talking about work stuff, but also talking about outside work stuff. We were just talking and uh, just walking and not talking at all. And then after a while, you could kind of see the body language change and the gait of the walk change and the tone of the voice just get a bit, bit calmer and a bit more like normal. And he eventually said, you know, he eventually sighed and said, I feel a lot better. 
let's go back inside now. And so we went back in and we regrouped and we, and I asked him, you know, what are the things that you need to, need to focus on for the back half of your day? And he went through those couple items and then he went on with his day. And so instead of having our one-on-one meeting, which believe me, I had a full agenda. I had a whole bunch of things that I needed to go through with him. I said, hey, in order to get him in best position to lead for the back half of his day, we need to go for a walk. So I need to make sure the CEO stays sane and is showing up well for his next set of meetings. And I I will follow up with with the one-on-one agenda items later or in some other way. This is what's most important to keep the CEO sane. All right. So those were five examples of things that I actually did as chief of staff. And if you're Again, if you're introducing the role, you might use an analogy. And if you are in a conversation where it makes sense to get into some actual examples, then um, you feel free to, to use these or kind of send this send this list to, to someone or this podcast to someone and say, hey, just as some quick examples, here are things that one might work on as a chief of staff. So if this is helpful, then feel free to use it in that way. Um, by the way, if you have some, some notes on things that you work on, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I love to hear about how different chiefs of staff spend their day and how that role is structured at different organizations. So if it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm involved in recruiting and hiring too, but it's kind of in this way. Or, you know, I've never heard of, of something like flash reports or gap-filling leadership. That's interesting. Um, I'd like to know that. And, you know, conversely, if you're like, I don't do any of those five things, I do these things instead, these should be talked about as well, then, then let me know all of that good information. It's good It's good feedback, and I'm curious about it anyway. All right, so that is a wrap on this week's episode, and thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next time on Leveraging Leadership. If you're not interested in gaining valuable knowledge and becoming a better leader, then by all means, don't subscribe. But if you're keen on becoming a highly knowledgeable, more successful, and confident leader, then hit that subscribe button.